That's pretty good. Woo. That's pretty good for He's a fill-in host. He was. We'll My practice bad. it. We're glad you're here with us. You know, that is the iconic scream that Justin started years ago. And the Blake Lawson hey. is the one behind the scream today. Hello. Blake, thanks for being an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's right. Scott is out on assignment. Jordan Phillips, Thank producer, God. is here. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Love him. That's right. Love. We miss you, Scotty. He's not going to listen. He doesn't no. listen when he's not on. He doesn't. That's right. But we, He you, says it's weird for him. He loves hearing himself talk. He said it's weird for him to hear himself talk. That's not true. Well, don't talk so weird, Scott. <laughs> That's right. Love you, Scotty. Oh, man. But you, dear listener, are listening today, and we are talking Amen. about the power of love. It's the power of love. Sing it, Blake. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a series. We've been doing it since the beginning of February, and Justin has got so deep in this that we are extending it. It is continuing as we lead up to Easter. And it is a big topic, love. Wow. We had Valentine's Day a couple weeks ago. Blake, you have a good Valentine's Day? I did. I love you guys. Oh, we love you, buddy. Jordan, you had a good Valentine's Day? It was great. <laughs> and you, listener, we hope you had a good Valentine's Day. And we want to continue talking about love, not just romantic love, but what I think Justin has really hit on and has really sparked some interesting conversations around the office that we want to continue today on the podcast is how we as the church, we as Christians, love one another. So, Blake, overall... You're Gen Z. You're a little behind me and Jordan. What would you say among your friends and peers that you see online is the reputation of the church overall, not simple church, but the big C church and Christians in general? Oof. Um, well, I would say that most of my friends I know through either church here or church in Hawaii, but I would say the mass populace people, just the what people think of in America and the world when they think of churches, it's not great. I think we're known a lot for what we're against instead of what we're for. Mm. And I think that the majority of the population kind of thinks of us as, you know, holier than thou, as in, you know, we have big expensive buildings and then just hang out by ourselves and talk about how cool and divine we are. And I think that's how people see us. And unfortunately, that that sucks. So that's not what we're about. It's not what like we should be about. Exact opposite. Yeah. Right. And just a couple weeks ago, big podcaster speaker guy that we've used their curriculum before for a small group came out with another moral failing. There's a lot of that going around. Unfortunately, you hear these big profile people that are supposed to be one way and you see them projected one way and then they're a little hypocritical behind the scenes. It's always a bummer. I hate when that happens. It is. It's really tough. So Justin, a couple weeks ago after the Super Bowl, we were having a really interesting conversation about the He Gets Us commercial and that's yeah. what inspired this conversation today. So when I was thinking about this and Justin was talking about it with some of us in the hallway, we continue on that conversation. It's basically this idea that when people talk about you, let's get to the actual people, not the overall church, but you, Jordan Phillips. Mm. What are some words that you think people describe you? Me? You. If someone says, Jordan Phillips is... Brutal. <laughs> Brutal is cool. <laughs> like Jordan the butcher. <laughs> Brutal. No, not really. I mean, I say that because, you know, people ask me my opinion. I give them honesty. I they don't blunt. love that. Blunt. No, okay, blunt. sure. Um, but, <clears throat> no, I mean, I think that overall, I, I'm viewed as kind and easy to get along with and go with the flow. And, hey, and, let's, and let's, brutal. Let's, <laughs> let's figure it out. But also, don't ask Jordan a question if you don't want to know about yourself. Ooh, waste time to be fake. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Keep it now, real. Now, I've, I've gotten better about it. It's good. Growing I've, up. I've maturing. gotten better. Becoming a parent forces you to... I talk less now. So, yeah, I'm pretty positive, pretty optimistic of things. But, like, one thing Mallory says that I definitely do is, like, scorekeeping. So, if oh. you know, like, 
like, I'm not going to be nice to you, but I remember. Like, I know how many times I helped you move. And when I call you and you need something, forgive me. I don't told my brother mm. I wasn't helping him move no more. Ever again. Ever. That's yeah. right. Definitely not a best quality, but I think what was really interesting with Justin was like, he internalized it and was talking with us the other day. He's like, do people really say that I'm patient and kind? Like, is that something that I, w- that's something I want to be known for? Is that something people really say about me? And he's like, oh, I don't know a lot of people <laughs> who would about him are in most of us, right? As Christians in general. With the benefit, one thing that Enneagram things are good for is when you learn about your strengths and your weaknesses and kind of where your personality lies and what stimulus will do to you. I think you you then know how can I fix this part of myself that you know I tend it's self awareness yeah yeah and I think I've seen both of them all since we've gone through the colors thing and the enneagram thing I think a lot of our staff members have taken that into account and done some I think more than just uh like being known for being kind or whatever it's just like that's a good dude you know what I'm yeah. saying like we all sure, have yeah. our faults. We might not be the nicest guy. A good, brutal dude. <laughs> but just a good dude. Like, that's a good, he'll, you know, whatever. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Kind of. Well, one of our other friends has a ranking system from one to seven. That's awesome. How I close love of a system. friend. Yes. And uh, seven is the best. And uh, one is the worst. And everyone is somewhere on the spectrum. And that makes me laugh immensely because I don't think I have ever considered, like, yeah, that person's about a four point. Well, Mallory and I have talked about this too. Is like, so what is a friend to you? To me, the word friend is probably more of an acquaintance. Like, I can be friendly to people. I think we've talked about all, about that on here before. I think so. But and yeah. then to Mallory, she only has like six friends, and she likes really deep and committed to a friend. And everybody else is just kind of like somebody she knows. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would say I have a lot of friends, but it's not the level and the depth of a lot of people's friendships. And I think it's just how you look at the world and personality. Well, I think you can have like best friends. Then you have friends. Well, now we're getting in ranking systems. Then you have acquaintances. It sounds yeah. like you got one through seven. You don't even know. Bro. <laughs> I don't know it, but whatever. That's but you, awesome. dear listener, here's something convicting and challenging for you. Go ask the people around you that you're the closest to, hey, what are some adjectives you would use to describe me? And see if they're honest with you or not. And see if they're good ones. Because it's pretty, it's pretty tough yeah. when you really do start to really think about it and look at it. So that was some really good conversations. But then we got more in general of individually what our responsibility is. But as the church. So Simple Church is a church. We are part of the church, right? The overall church in the United States and the world. But the reputation of the overall big church right now, some more of those words to describe, like you were saying, Blake. The younger you get, it seems like there's more of a negative skew. And then yeah. we're in an election year. Literally, somebody in the office didn't know that it was an election year a couple oh. weeks ago. They're like, oh, man, that's this year. <laughs> it's at that time again. I was like, some of you know very well it's an election year. And some of you are sticking your head in the well, sand. because they don't want to think about it. Right. Because the last one was so miserable. And it's not going to be fun. It seems like we've only had miserable ones for the past, like, memorable future. Most the, of your life. Since, yeah. you've been alive. <laughs> Since I've been much. able to vote, it's been pretty chaotic every time it has so we don't want to get too far bogged into that but it just got us talking about these commercials right so that he gets us campaign and that's something that was very polarizing in the super bowl you can go look it up right now we'll put links in the show notes it's just a really interesting idea that i went and kind of dug deeper into and i've got a couple links in the podcast if you want to hear more and blake we kind of talked about it some i've gone through jordan we're throwing you in here but basically the idea is that the ads are a part of a marketing campaign run by a Christian guy. It is not a Christian ad agency per se. He's worked with major clients like Nike, Gatorade. It's a guy in Michigan. His name's Bill McKendry. And some very wealthy people came to Bill and asked him to run 
a very well-funded, big national campaign. And this was the question that they said. Uh, let me pull up the quote here. I don't want to quote the wrong thing. Contacted by donors, it says, How did the story of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love, peace, and kindness, who spent his life defending the poor and the marginalized, a man who even forgave his killers while they executed him unjustly, whose life inspired a radical movement that is still impacting the world thousands of years later, how did that man's story become associated with hatred and oppression by so many people? Wow. That's pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we as Christians, we believe that. We know this story about Jesus, but how he's perceived in the way that we talk and the way that we act, all of us overall, right, as the church, especially in America, has really been a challenge. <laughs> My lifetime, our lifetime listening to this, it's not been on the up and to the right. And basically what the research and the data is showing is that younger generations, millennial, Gen Z behind them are the highest unaffiliated with any religion or faith in any history in the generations of America that have ever happened. So they're not associating with faith. They're not connecting to a denomination. They're not a part of a church. They were calling it the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E, not N-U-Ns, right? <laughs> not like wearing habits and Catholic, but the rise of the nuns. And it's this, this trend that is not going well in America. And so as we're talking about this, this company, this group tried to come together to fund these ads and it was really cool. Bill McKendry, and again, I'll let you have listen to the full interview if you want to go dive deeper into it. But basically, he said, we got the best and brightest advertising people that I could find and being in the industry for 20, 30 years. And people who, again, worked with major corporations, the NFL, Nike, these giant ad campaigns. And they asked the best and brightest people to pitch what would a campaign for Jesus look like? How would we do that? And so he said, we got 15 final bids of people who came up with projects the best, sharpest people. One of the guys said he had been running his own ad agency for 30 years and he hadn't pitched and like tried to get someone to get his idea since he had been like in his 20s and that he basically was at this level, but he said he would come back and do it for this. And they had some that were funny, some that were serious, some that were all different levels and spectrums. But the phrase he gets us really stuck with him. And so you guys saw the ad that was in the Super Bowl this year. You know that they've actually were in the Super Bowl in 2023 as well. Yeah. And they went through. It's been around for almost two years. They started in smaller venues. And basically, when they came up with this idea and this concept and the look, the first ones are actually black and white. I don't know if you remember those. And we'll put links in the show notes to their YouTube channel. But it was a little bit more somber, a little more serious of different things. And since then, since that happened, they've been measuring and trying to say, okay, what are the goals of this campaign? What are we trying to do? So you think about ads, you think about promotion, YouTube channels, social media, marketing, all this different stuff. Their goal in the first 30 days, so 30 days, was to get 4 million impressions. So that's social media shares, that's likes, that's comments, that's all the different stuff. 4 million was their goal, and they thought that was kind of high. The guy, Bill McKendry, was like, we know we kind of were setting the bar pretty high and not sure if this would work and take on. They hit it in three days. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you some numbers since it started. This was as of 2023. That he gets his campaign, this group overall, 3 billion impressions across all of their different platforms and channels, 300 million YouTube views, 55,676 people who filled out a form and said, I want to know more about churches in my area. So wow. after they went to the That's site, cool. they went and they connect them to a local church. What right? was that number again? 55,676 people who filled out the form. Wow. So that's just people. That's not their people, family. That's, yeah, exactly. How families. many went and did it? 9,840 prayer requests, 4,000 people who said that they were concerned with suicidal thoughts and wanted help. So 4,000 people who are willing to step out anonymously 
and be known and say, I need help with this. And they connected them with different health organizations. And 3,000 churches have partnered with He Gets Us and signed up to be on the list that they refer to. So it's blown away all their wildest dreams and thoughts. And people on the non-Christian side who are exposed to these ads are critical and people who are in the church and have gone through and critical. So this, let's do this most recent ad. If you haven't watched it, please go to the show notes right now. Go to YouTube, search He Gets Us. 2024 Super Bowl ad. What were your thoughts initially, Blake, when you saw this commercial? And then Jordan, we'll come to you. Well, I didn't expect it because it was in the middle of all of the other commercials, like Arnie doing and all that, and <laughs> getting the chopper. And <laughs> truthfully, like I didn't, I don't, I didn't even remember seeing the first couple because everybody was so enamored by the game and everything. But right. we actually started the conversation where we were watching it. Kind of, oh boy, I wonder how people are going to take this because. To play devil's advocate, if you have an ad for, we just talked about the global consensus on, you know, what the the nun generation is, how they're viewing Christianity. If you just see that, one of the easiest conclusions that I'm sure a lot of people are drawing is that, God, it's tens of millions of dollars to run an ad in the Super Bowl. Right. And couldn't have this have been spent on, you know, we just had people come back for our church drilling water wells in Honduras and like how much, you know, it could be used for this or this or this or this or this. And I'm sure that that's an easy line that people are going to draw from, you know, if you want to, if you have no dog in the race then it's very easy to draw conclusions from that because you're not going to look up the numbers of, Hey, 55,000 people that are not involved in church. were like, I want to know more about what this was about. You had however many people with prayer requests and telling people about suicidal thoughts for me, my initial thought, I was nervous for our team. I was like, <laughs> I wonder how... The Christians overall. The yeah. church. I was like, I just hate when something good can be turned into something negative by the people that, you know, don't care either way. So it's easy to just be negative because I think recreational outrage is a big deal and people Oof. like to be angry at, you know, things that they're not even involved with. And I know that church hurt is a real thing. Um, so I think it'd be an easy target for criticism, but I, I thought that just looking at it from, you know, trying to be a neutral perspective, like how is the world going to take this? I thought they did it pretty conservatively and hopefully, and I mean, I think the numbers afterwards speak for themselves. I, I'm, I'm glad they did it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Recreational outrage, I think, is a great term because uh, SNL a couple weeks ago did a skit and it was a game show like Jeopardy. But the question is, why did you say this? And they would pull up the people's comments of stuff they said online. And it's just outrageous. And it's yeah. like, obviously, it's a joke, but it really is where people like, I hope you die to Drew Barrymore when she was posted outside being in the rain. It's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and the person's like, uh, you know, I just, I don't like her. And they would go, eh. and they'd be like, uh, you, I just, I was trying to be funny. It's like, eh. it's like, I just really feel bad about myself and I want somebody else to feel bad too so I feel something. And it's like, ding, 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 there you go. Yeah. That's the real truth well, of why you have this recreational outrage. Perfect example. So I was watching the UFC fight this past uh, weekend. I was streaming it on TikTok. Dana White, I'm sorry. It's $80. <laughs> make it less expensive and I'll watch it. I'll He's going to find you. He's going to crack down. Uh, I was watching it. One of the fighters is a young guy named Ian Gary and he has a weirder relationship like by normal standards like his wife is much older than him and everything and uh she's made comments before about you know being the girlfriend or wife of a athlete and stuff like that 
and people hate on him for defending his wife. And uh, he he was coming up to the fight because he fought. He actually won. But and, and I, I, when he won, by the way, Joe Rogan was coming up to interview him and everything. And people were just boo like it was overwhelming. The whole stadium was booing this kid. It's like 24 years old. And uh, before the fight, I saw it on Instagram. He got out of the car. He was walking into the stadium and everything. And somebody's like, boo, you suck. Like yelling at him everything. And he's like, how's your wife, you idiot? Like just yelling stupid stuff like this. Never. The guy has no idea what happens on yeah. this guy's home. How old is he? Uh, he's mid. He's very early 20s. I think yeah. it's like so 24, like 25. <laughs> yeah. Brock Purdy. Like I can't yeah. imagine these yeah. global superstars with my problems. It's crazy. Some of my problems. I'm sure financially <laughs> we're probably on different levels. Different. But Brock Purdy's not making as much as the other people, but yes, no, he's yeah. doing comfortable. He's fine. He, I'm sure he's okay. But uh, so Ian Gary, this guy, this guy's yelling at him. He's walking in to go fight a guy for money. And uh, the guy's yelling at him. And then Ian's, Ian goes, oh, yeah, we'll say it to her face. And the wife gets out of the car and the guy shuts up. He's got nothing else to say. He's like, yeah, it's not easy to say it to a person when like face to face. They're real it? people. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy had nothing. And I think it's so easy for people to just be angry about things they haven't either. First of all, are you got to take into account some Christians are not helping the team with lashing back out at people who either are ignorant of what is going on, but some of our own team members can be pretty ignorant in the way we conduct ourselves. And I think, you know, you have to represent the church at all times. And if you're Lashing, acting a fool, like even on Facebook. Come on, that's right. Even Christians, I know some people were talking about. I've seen, you know, on Instagram, if somebody you follow, uh, their thing pops up in the comments, like first, yeah. I've some seen some people like talk about Dak and the and the Cowboys Instagram, and one guy was talking about Ian Gary actually, and I was like, man, it's easy to be a Christian until you get behind that screen, isn't it? And mm. then all bets are off. Absolutely. It gets a lot of people in trouble. Jordan, yeah. you have thoughts about the ad? I talked for a long time. My bad. Oh, you're good. Yeah, well, you know, you do that sometimes. <laughs> That's what you're known for. I'm trying to replace Scott. That's so. the words to describe ah, you. Hey, yeah. zing, zing, zing. No, I love the commercial. Um, my first thoughts were, that's awesome that, you know, to the unchurched people, the non-Christians, like, it's that easy. Like, yeah. it really is that easy. Should but then, <laughs> I also loved it because it's like, to the Christians that had an issue with it. It's like, get you some, bro. It ain't that, it's not that difficult. Like, love Jesus, love on these people, and that's it. Yeah. And we make it so complicated about everything else. It just, I, that's where I was just like, I, I love those commercials because it's just so simple. Like, it really is. But it's intentionally trying to get a reaction. And that's something that the guy, Bill McKendry, that did it said is like, we had a bunch of different ideas and we had a bunch of different pitches, but we wanted some that were designed to stir Start a conversation. Yeah, and make you really think about, okay, why do I think this is good or bad? Or as a Christian, if you have a problem with this, do you have a problem with Jesus washing people's feet? Mm -hmm. And then the people in the Christian world, right? Our own team is what we'll call them. Yeah. That you go through and the criticism in the house was, right? Like, oh, Jesus just washed the disciples' feet. It's like, no, he washed Judas's feet too when he knew he was going to betray him. Yeah. So it wasn't just the holy people that get their feet washed. It wasn't the people who were right with God or doing these different things. And so this was one of the Christian quotes that was a blowback. This is one of the articles criticizing. It did it nicer than some of the other ones, but y'all to react to this. So the first thing a sick person needs to hear is not the doctor really cares about you, although that's reassuring. The first thing a sick person needs to hear is the correct diagnosis. 
You have a serious infection. It's potentially lethal. But the good news is it's treatable. So now here's what you need to do to survive. So that's a guy, a Christian guy, a pastor trying to say the approach that they used wasn't right by saying he gets us. You don't need to know that he cares about you. You need to know that you have a diagnosis of problem. And my issue with that, and this is just me speaking of this, and you guys have your own opinion of that, is if you're sick and you're afraid to go to the doctor or you had bad experiences at the doctor, in this case, it's a metaphor for the church, right? Seeing positive messages about that are going to help you to take a step and get there, not be turned off by the immediate criticism and judgmentalness and call to repentance that I think some of the people in the Christian world wanted these ads to be. And the other thing is they're ads. They're 60 seconds. They're 30 seconds in some case. It is not going to be a theological deep dive into these issues. And if you go to their website, they have an about page about what they believe is the He Gets Us campaign. They have all the resources. There's tons of stuff there. I spent some time looking at it yesterday, getting ready for this is great. But I think one of the things that um, Bill McKendry said, I'm pulling it up here, said, I've been challenged by many pastors and ministries that have pushed back and said, when are you going to tell... When are you going to talk to them about repenting and tell them that they're sinners? And he said, I'm not. These ads are not. He gets us as not. You are. I'm leading them to you. This is the church's job now to step up and help walk through that. But we can't get them in the door. They're leaving in droves. you got to love them first. And that's the approach that so many churches have. And again, Big C Church, it's not anybody that might be a church you grew up in. If you're listening to this and you're a simple church hater and you think we're too nice and too kind and you listen for ammunition— we are unashamedly telling you as a church, we believe that approach, that it's the love first. And because of that love and that kindness and that grace, you will move and help them to take a step towards that instead of vice versa. I think where the breakdown is that we get it wrong, though, everybody, is that they think of it as an either or thing. It's like either you are wrong and you are living in sin and what you're doing needs to stop or you'll die and go to hell or I love you just the way you are. And so does God, by the way. And I think it's an and thing. It's like, I love you exactly as you are. You were made exactly as God wanted you to be. And there are things in your life that if you keep doing them, they will kill you. And Jesus died. He went to war against sin and he won, by the way, and you are saved. So check this out. Let's do this. But I think sitting on the fence isn't going to get people anywhere. And I think that that's where a lot of my generation just like we don't respect that the church does that. It's like, well, is it this or is it this? I think where I've seen the most people, they don't want like wishy-washy answers. It's they want like, yes, this is a sin, this is death, da-da-da-da-da, and God loves you. Jesus loves you. You just talked about how uh, Jesus washed Judas' feet when he knew he was going to betray him. And that's an I love you and what you're doing is wrong. And I think the wishy-washy gets us nowhere. And I think that the fact that they designed this purposefully to be like beneficial, what am I trying to say? Beneficially controversial is very interesting because it got how three billion impressions. Right. And it's got the conversation started and it's getting people in the door. And that's where it's our job to be like, we have to pick up the slack where they left right. off. Yeah. And this is where Simple Church, we line up with this, and this is who Justin is, and I've heard him say it over again, is that we are trying to reach the unchurched and dechurched person. Yeah. Most churches tend to skew towards the insider. They get a group of people. They make them comfortable. It's what they like. 
and we are willing to be uncomfortable and even make you maybe as a person who likes certain things about church uncomfortable for the sake of the person who has not yet come, for the yeah. lost, for the person that would try to go and find a place that they can fit in. So I think this was the mic drop quote from He Gets Us. It's on their website. I think is the best thing. If you made it this far in the podcast, this is what it's worth listening for. They said, the more ideologically defensive we become, church Christians, the more we are willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and the respect and dignity of others for the sake of victory and being right. And man, Ooh. if I don't feel like that sums up a lot of the public-facing churches, the loudest churches, the vocal minority, right? They say that like 90% of negative stuff on social media is 10% of the population that's mm. posting that, that's mm. getting heard and seen mm -hmm. and picked up. They call it the vocal minority of people that in elections, if it's politics, whatever it is, a small amount of people are making the most noise and get heard the most. And I'm going to read that one more time for the ones in the back at home. The more ideologically defensive we become, the more we are willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and the respect and dignity of others for the sake of victory and being right. Wow. And that, what I think, sums up what Justin's trying to teach, what we're trying to do as a church over these last couple of weeks. I think he has just been spot on of what we need to hear right now, what I need to hear, what we all can work on is love seems weaker. It seems like the easy way out. It seems like we're being soft, but it is really difficult and it is a lot easier to slip into anger or condemnation or pride of being right and we know the way and this is what you need to do. And if you don't like it, if you're not going to get on board with us, then you're wrong, right? There's different streams of church, different denominations, different people that say we're the only way, that we know exactly what it is, that this is the way and that nobody else is right. And there's a lot of stuff in there. It's like, huh? I mean, we agree on the major things. We agree with the important parts of Christ. And then there's a lot of stuff that can be there that's open to interpretation. And a simple church is like, we're going to play secular music sometimes, and we're going to do it for the sake of the person that comes to hear a song they connect with. That's intentional. It's not just what Justin likes, even though he does joke about it half the time. But it is something to where you would come in and it would tie into a message. I think about like Dirty Laundry, the Eagle song we played in a series. That's the first one that came to mind. Yeah. It's like that was a strategic thought through point of most people have heard that song. You know the message of the song. I get that. That helps you to jump ahead two or three steps. So when you come to church and you hear a message about forgiveness, it's like, oh, okay, that song, I get that. That ties into what I'm doing. If you don't know the Bible as well, you don't know some of the stories, you don't know and get eyes gloss over with the names and all the complicated stuff, there are principles and ideas that are true that are helping to get there. And it's almost like Jesus taught us that when he used parables. I was just listening this morning. I do in the quiet time in the morning, and it's Matthew 13, and he's talking all these different parables and listing them off back to back to back to help the people understand. And when he was speaking to farmers, he used farming parables. When he spoke to fishermen, he used fishermen parables That's good, man. to help them to understand where they were at, not mad at them because they didn't know the Torah good enough, not mad at them because they didn't go to church enough and get those things. He met them where they're at and helped them to move along that step. And I think where a lot of the criticism he gets us that they got hung up was they wanted this one 30 second, 60 second ad to say all of those things. And when you look into it a little bit more and you read what they're trying to do, they are trying to help people to make that step. So here's another quote, and we'll be wrapping up, about done. Well, final thoughts, Jordan Blake. Thanks for sticking with this with me. But this is what Bill McKendrick and that guy said talking about the ads. He said, I would argue some of our harshest criticism comes from the Christian ecosystem, not the secular world. And I don't mind that. Iron sharpens iron. It's got to be that way. 
But the biggest concern people have is that you seem to be focusing on the humanity of Jesus, not the divinity of Jesus. And we would say that's right because we don't think people who are far from God are ready for that. We've done the research, and the first thing we need to do is raise the respect and relevancy of Jesus so that they, the outsider, the lost, would want to explore who he is more. And when they explore him more, they're going to find out he wasn't just a good guy or a teacher. He said he was God, and you have to deal with that. But they're not going to deal with that in a 30-second or 60-second ad. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Our goal is to create a giant on-ramp for people who want to explore more about Jesus and lead people to all kinds of resources to learn more about who Jesus is. Wow. And that's what these guys are trying to do, that the Christian world is bashing and ripping apart and saying that they don't really care and they are watering down the gospel and all this different stuff that we hear. They're trying to make it attainable. For the sake of the person (laughs) who's not going. It's not about you, dude. All right. And you can't be mad at somebody because they didn't grow up like you did and believe what you believe and have your same values and morals. You've got to love them to a point where they're willing to take the step to try to get closer to Jesus. And then they'll probably take two steps backwards. And it's messy and it's complicated and people will let you down. But that's what we're in the fight for. That's what church should be about. And I feel like, again, a vocal minority, a large percentage, when you hear the blowback and things like, you guys are completely missing this. Yeah. It's like if somebody doesn't respond to the one way you try to yell at them and tell them they're going to hell and need to repent, then anybody else is not doing it right way. It's like the guys on the street with the signs and the bullhorns, right? They really believe and they're giving their time and energy and effort to thinking that is the way to help people to meet Jesus. I really believe they have good intentions. I really think most of those people think that is the right way and the only approach. But it's not. No. <laughs> and we as a church and simple church, and I know this, we are the first to say we're not a perfect church. We don't have it all right. We're not saying we are the only way. But there is a heart and a desire to go and to be love, to show the love of Jesus and to do things that other churches maybe don't do, uncomfortable, don't like doing for the sake of the lost person. Yeah. And that is what I think, I know Justin talking about it and the church that after we went through this is a big deal. And you listener are now part of this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Email evan at thesimplechurch.tv since Scott's not here. If you email Scott, he'll have no idea what you're talking about. But email me, <laughs> let us know in the comments. I'd love to talk more about this. And if you like this episode, give us some feedback. If you're like, hey, let's go back and play a game. We could do that too. But today just that was on my mind and we'll talk about it hey thanks dude so blake final thoughts anything else throw in there uh trying to think of anything to add that was really really good i got nothing that was no worries all right jordan just i mean it's it's easy man just love people yep that's it just love people and you know if you want to have arguments about with other christians about whatever that's fine but just love people and don't do it on a platform that the unchurched yeah, because that now might be the living. world is watching. Yeah, because right. yeah. now this Christian's fighting with this Christian, and the unchurched, un- the non-Christian's going to go, "Why would I want to? be, be a, a Christian if this yeah. is what's going on?" Like, love's attractive, man. I think we need to adopt the Olive Garden motto: "Where <laughs> when you're here, you're family." <laughs> because I the think great about, theologian. I think about there are people on our staff that used to be unchurched, and they didn't stay on staff because of you know some impressive doctrine where we use big words and complicated verses and anything out of first or second Kings. It's just names like Hobbit names, like <laughs> son of Thrain, son of Gordon, whatever. No, it's because we invited them. We loved on them. We made them feel like they had a place and that they weren't going to get judged for the things they'd done in their past or the fact that they didn't know all the things that we know. We, those of us who have been in church our whole lives, 
you know, it's impossible to assume that people are going to show up the first Sunday and be like, oh, yes, I'm with all this. I don't think it's weird that you raise your hands when people sing. Yeah, I have 20, 30, 40 years of life experience, but I'm going to be summed up and changed in this 30 minutes and everything's going to be answered and all the questions are doing it. It's like, no, we don't expect that for anybody. Why do we think a 30 second ad is going to be able to cover all of systematic theology and be able to answer these things? The reason we don't do baptisms every weekend is because people don't show up for the first time and be like, oh, yes, I'm a part of this. But even if they do, most the time there's been something in their backstory or something that's been happening in their life to lead them up to that point. Right. Right. So we do believe life change happens and it can do that, but it's a lot of work to get there most of the time. Right. There's somebody that's poured into them. There's somebody praying for them somewhere. There's somebody that was kind to them that they worked with or doing these things that helps them to take that step. And it's not linear. It's not up and to the right. They'll take a good step. Right. And they'll get closer. And then being in ministry, it is complicated. And there are people who do great for a while and then make a bad decision and you have to show grace and help them. There's the, people who the disqualify. Devil is hard at work. That's right. All the time. You're right. Mm. And there's people who are disqualified from volunteering positions, doing whatever, serving all the way up through staff or whatever. And when those things happen, it's heartbreaking. But I will say another thing too is that seeing behind the scenes, seeing backstage look of Simple Church, there is a lot of grace and there's a lot of kindness and there's yeah. a lot of forgiveness where you're not just cut out and you're done when you mess up. And I think that is a hard thing. And sometimes it's easier to just be black and white and like, oh, you messed up. You hurt me. You did something once. You're out. You're done. You're gone forever. And there's some people who have messed up and they're still around and they still get to be a part of what it's doing. And none of us are really disqualified from what God wants us to do as we try to follow him and get closer, even when we mess up and try to keep going. And so for you listening, you're not done. God's not done with you. Your story's not over. Right. And if you are new to church, you've been trying to figure it out. I hope that this encourages you to know there are Christians having these conversations, trying to figure out how to be more loving and kind. And if you're somebody that you know, a neighbor, a friend, somebody you're praying for that is having a hard time or maybe is fed up and frustrated with church, check out He Gets Us. Go dig deeper. Watch their stuff. We put the links in the show notes. Go find the YouTube channel. It is really well done. It looks great. It is done with excellence and I think is a really cool thing they're doing. Are they perfect? No, but neither are we. (laughs) Neither are you. And neither is any church that's ever done anything. And instead of criticizing the people out there trying to do it, why don't we say, okay, these are some things we like. This is the good we can take from this. And then let me help you and share this with somebody else along the way. Yeah. That's and the, if you're new to the Simple Church, come find me, Jordan, or Evan. We want to talk to you. We don't want to try and trick you into accepting anything. Jordan will be brutal, but he will be there. If yes. you find me by some miracle, you really dug, got deep into the church. You got lost. You are lost. Jordan must have hiding from people. You are lost if you found me. <laughs> He's in like a closet in the gap, I think. But if you do find me, come talk to me. That's come on. right. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you. Thanks for having this conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure that you check out next week's episode. We would love for you to be back with us and have a good week. Bye-bye. Thanks for downloading this episode. We appreciate you listening to Backstage with the Simple Church Podcast. Subscribe so each week you get the new episode when it comes out on Wednesdays. Exactly, because that's what you want is the new content. That's right. Automatically pops up in your feed, Spotify Mm. or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. Please do, because it helps people find us. And plus, we deserve it. (laughs) That's right, Scott. You do a great job. Oh, so do you. And thanks for listening. Share it with a friend. Send it to somebody that should enjoy this episode and subscribe as well. And thanks for being a part of the Simple Church. Thanks for listening. 